There's nothing you can do about it now. You've already made the decision. You're listening to The Geo Show. It's The Geo Show. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of The Geo Show. I am, of course, your host and master of ceremonies, GOP. Right now, I am here with Scott Paulson from Pittsburgh. He is a hilarious on-air radio host and a great voice actor. So my first question is, how did you get into the radio business? Well, when I was a, a young teenager, I listened to the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Really got hooked on that. I really liked it a lot. One of the local radio stations played that. And that was a, a group of people that had worked for the National Lampoon magazine and had done stage shows for them and were then putting together radio sketches. And they did a one-hour show every week. People like Christopher Guest and John Belushi and Jane Curtin, not Jane Curtin, but uh, oh, who am I trying to think of? Um, her name will come to me in a moment. Gilda Radner. Sorry, Gilda. The late Gilda Radner. But these people would write this great comedy and do these comedy sketches, and it really came out of left field. So that was the first thing that really hooked me on radio. And then uh, there were advertisements on TV for old radio shows, War of the Worlds, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, and The Shadow, and Inner Sanctum. All these shows that had happened in the 1940s and 1930s and 40s. I think my parents got me in the 1970s a collection of these because I was interested in them. And the more I started studying those and listening to them, the more I became interested. And then there was a show, once again, on one of our local radio stations that was the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. It came on at 10 o'clock at night, every night. And once again, it was an hour-long drama, which didn't exist a whole lot on radio in the 1970s. It was, that was kind of dead by then. But these were all nostalgic throwbacks, and uh, they put the hooks in me. Wow, very cool. Uh, do you yeah. have, out of those radio programs, what would you say is the one that inspired you the most? Oh, War of the Worlds. Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, Mercury Theater, 1938, 1939, 1940. They put on an hour, sometimes a bit longer, but usually an hour-long show, once a week. The scripts had to be 60 or 70 pages long spectacular, you know, movie quality acting um, and beautifully, beautifully put together. And they, you know, lived on, obviously, for years and years. And I think I think I did some kind of a report in school about the War of the Worlds. And that sort of got me interested in old radio because it, it, it was so wonderfully done that it sucked you right in. And I hadn't heard anything like that before. And coming from the background that, you know, I came from, my friends and I were like I said, into the National Lampoon and Mad Magazine and, uh, let's see, what else, Bullwinkle on TV, silly stuff, uh, Monty Python, silly but bright. And that fit right in with with that uh, aspect of our lives. And then a friend of mine had a cousin who worked as a, a, a DJ at a local radio station. So we went to visit him, and I got to see him at work. And once I saw him at work, I really liked it even more because I – it was as if you'd walked into a science fiction set for a movie. I mean, there's all these knobs and dials and buttons and gauges. And, I don't know. It was right down my alley. 
I wasn't, I never thought about doing it as a living, uh, to be honest with you, it, but I was interested in it. And then I went to college, and, and in college I studied television production. And the more I did in that field, the less I was interested in doing it as a living. It just bored the crap out of me, to be honest with you. So I sort of gravitated from television production into a radio job and stayed there ever since. And that's been, what, five decades, four decades later. So I've done it my whole life. Very cool. Uh, ironically enough, in my uh, in one of my classes, in my script writing class, that was one of the uh, first audio dramas that we listened to as a class. And we actually had to do a report on uh, the War on Worlds. We had to do a report on that as well. So uh, similar well, upbringing. Remember about, the thing to remember about the War of the Worlds was that, that it is sort of presented now as the only thing that the Mercury Theater, that group of actors did. But that isn't the truth at all. It's, it's completely opposite that. That was just one small segment of, they, they did famous dramas or completely original dramas every single week on the radio for probably three or four years. They, they were incredible. It was an incredible group of people. Yeah, I have to agree. Very convincing show that they did. Now, my next question is, uh, one of your uh, biggest rate endeavors in radio was working at WDVE, which is a classic rock station in Pittsburgh. What was that like? It was wonderful. Um, DVE is a a legendary station, still is a legendary station. As a matter of fact, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary uh, this summer. And it was a, a great place where you could be creative and uh, limitless as far as your ideas go. Once you were established on that station, they most people would say they left you alone to do what you wanted, but that isn't the case at all. They supported you in whatever you wanted to do. And in our case, um, the group of people I worked with did a morning show. It was a comedy show. So we were doing comedy sketches, and they supported us in any way, shape, or form that they could because they, they really nurtured your creativity. It was a, a great time and a great group of people. Warm weather is approaching, and that means lots of fun outdoor Pittsburgh activities. The regatta, the arts festival, the outdoor concert season, and many Pittsburghers are asking themselves the same question. How am I supposed to pick up chicks when I ain't got no good clothes to wear? At Pantsonette, we've got lots of good clothes at good prices. I get my disability check and pow! Stein of Pantsonette. Dad. I can't wear these down there. I look like a jaggle. You'll wear them pants and be proud. Guns really I worked there from, I did the morning show there from 1987 to 2000. And the group of people I worked with, we were all about the same age. We all had about the same interests. And we all laughed a lot every day. It was crazy. It was fun. You've done a lot of, one thing on the station is that you've done a lot of uh, bits and uh, sort of kind of segment, well, not segments, but kind of like comedy bits, uh, which were pre-recorded and edited for the show. What would you say was your favorite that you've done? Well, I like uh, things that, that use a lot of voices and a lot of characters. And by the time the show got established, we had three or four people who each could do several voices. And so we, we did all that stuff live. So going back and forth between voices a dozen voices say between three people was always my favorite thing to do is my favorite thing to write and my favorite thing to perform. But as far as the, like what specific sketches we did, 
that I like to do. I love to do superhero parodies. Um, we did a lot of superhero parodies, and we did a lot of office parodies. And then later, you know, I see the, the TV show The Office, and it essentially was the things we were writing a decade before uh, for radio sketches. So anything that we got to do that involved, um, let's, let's say, juggling, where I am controlling the, the audio, I'm controlling the board, with four microphones open, and I'm juggling music beds, sound effects, and walking through a script and reading three different parts. It's it sounds crazy, and it was crazy, and it was so um, invigorating to do something like that, mentally invigorating, that you get to the end of a show and literally not be able to speak. At least for a little while until you until you got your facility and uh, you know then you could have a conversation with somebody. But it would it would wear you out. It would completely wear you out each and every day, and it was fun. Uh, were there any segments that you did for the show that uh, ever land you in hot water? Maybe it was a little controversial for people listening in. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it was it was rarely was the audience um, offended or. I mean, it was a different time. Let's start with that. And the leeway of of people's uh, vulnerabilities as far as comedy goes was a completely different thing. I think in today's society, it seems as though um, things have gone so conservative. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone wants to voice their opinion. And everyone wants to tear down what, <laughs> whatever happens to be happening at the time. And that's just the style. I understand that. You go through ebbs and flows. But the show that we did was not offensive in any way, but certainly could be taken so in or out of context in today's society. So, yeah, we would run into problems every once in a while, usually with advertisers who would say that they didn't want to advertise on our show if we were going to continue doing what we were doing. And once again, I come back to the group of people that I worked with were so supportive that they would find a way to soothe the advertisers without having to... Um, edit or censor us. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It, it is interesting. It's, um, you know, when you think about a radio show or a television show or even a stage production, you think about only the performers because it's really all you see or all you hear. But anything like that, especially on a large scale, has a group of people that is behind it that first off financially allows it to happen by selling it, and uh, legally allows it to happen by protecting, being the go-between, between advertisers, the public, and the performers. And fortunately, I've worked at a lot of radio stations, and fortunately most of them have a great support group that is used to, are used to doing that and can pull it off, especially at WDVE. They had a tremendous group of people who, once they were used to what we were doing and understood where we were going, like I said, we're very supportive. Have you ever had a bit that you felt was, you've kind of put your whole heart into it and you thought it was like one of your best, but it didn't really get received well? And how did you... Every single day. <laughs> Every single day. Every single day. The, my producer would tell me that I did a bit. I do a sketch or I do a bit. And he'd say, that one is for the show in your head. <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning that... Everybody in the room thought it was really funny and it worked, but it probably didn't go over well. 
Um, and you can't, the thing about radio is you can't tell. You know, you can only gauge the room. You're not playing in front of an audience. I mean, we did a lot of shows in front of people, but the majority of the time we were in a studio. So until you heard feedback from a listener out in public somewhere, or maybe from a phone call, you really had no idea um, whether something worked or whether it didn't. The only judge you can, the only gauge you can use to judge it is whether you felt as though it worked. And that it, it would happen every once in a while where something would fall flat almost on a daily basis. But, you know, you just move on and, and play something else. And it goes the other way, too. I mean, we, we would do sketches and continues to this day. I will, I will do material that I think really is nothing or it's a throwaway piece. It's like, oh, I'm just filling up time with this. And <laughs> inevitably, that'll be the one where people will bring up in conversation all the time. Do you remember that time you said blah, 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 blah? And, of course, I don't remember it. And, you know, that's what they remember. But the piece that I spent four hours writing for, for a three-minute sketch, they never bring that one up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it works. Amazing. Now, besides radio work, one of your other big roles was in a Nickelodeon TV series called Action League Now, where you voiced the show's announcer, which is in every episode, and also the character uh, Meltman, who has the uh, amazing power to melt. What was it like working <laughs> on that production? It was fun. It was really fun. Uh, a friend of mine who is a musician and a uh, uh, studio owner by the name of Rick Wachowski, uh, I've known a long time, plays in a band called Crack the Sky. And he's been around as long as I've been around. He worked. He did uh, work for Nickelodeon and did work for MTV, same company. And he was doing some music beds for them one day with his guitar. And the fellow who was a producer at Nickelodeon said, hey, we've got a new show and we're looking for some voice actors. Do you know anyone? So he called me. I got the other members of the DVE morning show, Jimmy Cran, Chris Winter, and we read a script for them. They loved it, and we ended up being hired for that job. And I think, I think we went through two or three seasons of that show, and it was really a lot of fun. We had nothing to do with the writing, but we did um, make the characters come to life uh, through the voices that we did. And it, it, was, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a laugh a minute. It really was. The show was funny. And still is funny. The writing was great. And the people that uh, were in charge of it were happy with our work. So you can't beat that. I mean, it's, it's perfect all the way around. Action League. Now starring the flesh. He's super strong and super naked. Thunder Girl. She flies like thunder. Stinky Diver. A former Navy commando with an attitude as bad as his odor. And Meltman with the power to melt. Today's episode, Voice of Treason. Did you ever, I know that the series was filmed in live action. Did you ever get to visit the set or go to see the live action segments being taped for the show? No, I didn't. I didn't, but it was, I love that because we'd have no idea, especially the first, I think the first one that we did. We had no idea what it looked like. None. Zero. It, we were just, you know, sort of given a description of what these characters would be and how they would move and sort of what they were looking for. So the very first, I think the pilot episode we did, when I saw that for the first time, then I was thrilled with it. I thought, okay, now I got it. I understand what's going on here. And from that point on, it was very, very easy 
you know, as, as long as you have visually in your head what the character looks like, <laughs> in this case, very small action figures, and in, in my case, a very small action figure that someone melted with a lighter, <laughs> you, know, you have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for, and you try to match the, the vocal with the visual that is being shown on TV. And they, we shot one for a, for a film uh, to be shown in theaters. It was a, a sort of a, a short, what they call a short, the 10-minute film that they ran before uh, a full-length feature that was called Good Burger. And our segment ran before Good Burger in the theaters. So that was the biggest thrill. It, it also starred members of the band Kiss, and so we got to see ourselves on the big screen, and it was hilarious fun. Well, what were your recollections specifically on that segment with the uh, KISS crew? Well, uh, Gene Simmons and uh, Paul Stanley were in Pittsburgh. They, they'd come for a, to do a concert with KISS. And so their management got together with Nickelodeon, and they arranged to have them record their parts with us in our studio. So they had been, I mean, I'd met them before because they had been on our radio show a couple of times. And they're professionals, you know, they've done this their whole lives, so they're great radio guests. And then to work with them on the script, which they hadn't seen, they had, they had no idea what the show was. They were just handed a piece of paper and said, here, read these lines. And then to watch them fall apart and laugh as we did our lines and really get into it, once they were there, you know, once we'd started recording, they just loved it. So it was fun. We had a very fun time recording it. And then later, you know, six months later, you see it up on the screen. And all I can think about is being in that room with, with Paul Stanley and, and Gene Simmons and making them laugh. Very cool. Before we stop with the Action League stuff, I'd love to ask, could we possibly hear uh, some of the voices that you did for the show? Sure. Uh, Meltman was something like, all right, fellas, let's do something really extraordinary now. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. He was a very small, sort of a Wallace Shawn character. And then the announcer was a big uh, 1940s, 1950s radio announcer or newscaster that sounded like this. So I dropped my voice down like this, and everything was of utmost importance. Overplay everything. It's all dramatic. Very, very cool to hear those voices off, off screen. <laughs> They're always going on in my head. I might as well get them out, you know? <laughs> now, my final, uh, my final question is, what does the future hold for you, Scott? I'm still recording. I'm still doing radio shows. Uh, I'm doing them online. I'm not doing them on uh, radio airwaves. I have my own station. It's called Radio Stella, uh, S-T-E-L-L-A, radiostella.net. And I'm putting up new episodes all the time. So I'm still doing it. i got to get, like I said, it, it, all this stuff is in my head. I've got to get it out. So I'm a, I'm a more safe human being when I do. <laughs> excellent well that's great to hear i want to thank you for being on it was great talking to you and thank thanks all my thanks to you uh scott no problem geo i really appreciate you uh you asking some some great questions no problem at all And that's it for this for this show this episode uh we're on all the platforms you can just search us up um we're on uh, Facebook just as the Geo Show. Uh, go give the page a like. Um, we the podcast is available on Spotify, 
uh, soon to be available on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. And you can download the show and listen to it whenever you want. We're also on YouTube. You can just search The Geo Show. It'll come up or you can find the channel, which is uh, GeoTV1, all one word. And that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed The Geo Show. Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show.